Crafty Radio on October 4th, 2014. This is episode 305. Can you feel it? I feel it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. My name is Berg Weiss. That's Chef Bear. What do we have for you? We have some beers and tell me it's not a beer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, didn't even get to the part of the song, the hook part that I like, you know. <laughs> I don't like reggae. So, anyway. Um, I guess let's do the non-beer first. That would be, yeah, my call. Caliber Brewing. Yeah, these are a local place. They're in a little town near here called Conaquinessing. And uh, they brew hard tea. This is their green tea and honey. It's now, six- this is. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Sorry, 6.3% alcohol by volume, made from, as you might expect, green tea and honey. This is their flagship. And, yeah. It's not kombucha. Mm hmm. They don't use that, you know, mother. But the mother, right? Well, they do ferment it with but they, yeast, right? But they don't, yeah. So it's yeah, it's, it's a tea beverage. It's you know gluten free. It's part of their part of their thing. And uh, you know the ingredients here are water, sugar, honey, green tea, yeast, and potassium sorbate for a preservative. There's a there's a line break there, so. <laughs> The the color is almost <laughs> it's, it's very light. Yes, yeah, it's, it, it's like it, it's it's champagne color. Yeah, uh, almost kind of like a sake because it has the the slight color, a, a slight yellowness to mm-hmm. it, but it's it's very lightish in color. Very effervescent when the thing pours and bubbles are coming off the bottom of the glass, as if there was a nucleation point, but there isn't <laughs> in these glasses. Okay, the aroma. Hmm. Not really sure what that is. This is not. It's it's a little bit honey, right? It's it doesn't really smell like green tea, or as you would think green tea should smell. A little honey. A little champagne-y, I guess. Yes, yeah. So maybe we're just getting some stuff off the yeast. Maybe that's really what the smell is. Could be, yeah. Yeah, I think I think you know champagne or sparkling wine. There's yeah. a bit of a white wine type aroma on this, carbonated white wine. It's definitely got a lot of carbonation. That's kind of the only thing I tasted at first. It actually, hmm. a lot of sweetness. It's it's very carbonated, but I think I like how the, I think I like how the scrubbing action works. Right, uh, the first sip. It's pretty sweet, and then it goes into. Hmm. It reminds me a bit of champagne, actually. It doesn't have as much kick, obviously, six point three percent. It's not mm-hmm. huge, but the the effect that it has, where it, it um, it's immediately kind of bracing with with the carbonation, and then it's pretty dry. It ends dry. It leaves behind not so much tannic, although there's a little bit of that, but it's. It's a subtle green, it's a subtle honey bit, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to get the green tea part. It's not as it's not really that. Well, I had. Here goes. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be like everyone's going to think, oh, super palate drift. I was uh, 
at a niece's birthday party today at one of the place called Fun for All. It's you know it's a Chuck E. Cheese type place, right? And they had fountain drinks and they had un they had sweetened green tea. I was trying to think of the brand. It wasn't Lipton. It was Arizona or something like that. Right. You know, it was a fountain drink thing. And uh, I was surprised how little that tasted like green tea. Looks sweetened. Well, yeah, right, right. But you it know, it didn't. Too. It has sugar in it. It didn't have much of a green tea flavor. Um, no, at least nothing like the green tea that I drink at work. Right. Right. And uh, I don't know. It doesn't really have any much of the same flavors, other than not tasting like the green tea that I drink at work. Right. So. It it more tastes like a less alcoholic champagne to me than anything else. A little bit of honey, so there's a slight mead characteristic. But mm-hmm. I'm having a hard. It time. doesn't have it. It doesn't have a big mead characteristic, yeah. right? It's just a slight bit. Um, the sugars aren't fermented out too thin or anything. It has a decent body the whole way through. It's it's a moderately light body, but it's not kind of cidery or winier and thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, as you sit with it on your palate, you do get a little bit of pre- progression of flavors. I mean, they're all sweet flavors, but, you know, they kind of come and go. And you get some different things. So it's it gives you a little bit of complexity as you drink it. So they also have a raspberry tea made with raspberry green tea and honey. Also 6.3. They just released Sailor's Brew, the Queen's Grog, which is at 13%. This is their version of a traditional grog, and they okay. use molasses instead of rum. Okay. That should be very interesting. It also contains lime juice, orange peel, and cinnamon. I bet that's really good. I don't have that. I do have a bottle of the raspberry in the fridge, but not the not the Queen's grog. They also have ginger tea and honey and orange tea and honey. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting drink. Um I'm trying I'm trying to figure out like when I would drink it you know when i would choose to drink it i mean it's not like it it's you know it's better than many um gluten-free beers yeah i'm, I'm for, thinking for like, a celiac it's better than many gluten-free beers i would say also if, if you let's say you what you're popping down in front of a movie that you're probably going to be interested in you're mm-hmm. not going to really want to also at the same time <laughs> enjoy mm-hmm. the you know really take in an, a, an amazing beer right. but you want something that is effervescent and goes along right. with the experiences mm-hmm. this would work with that i suppose it also might work well with sort of very light foods, salads and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or even actually, now that I think about it, probably go well with some really heavy stuff like a cobbler. Because it would so Because the sweetness, yeah. yeah. This is the Caliber Brewing Green Tea. Got a comment this week. Can you guys please repeat the beer's names a little bit more? And we used to do that a lot. We've yeah. gotten lazy. So if you hear us repeating the beer's names more often... And you find yourself saying, I already know that. Sorry, but some people who are distracted while they're listening and, yeah. and recapping it is uh, is useful. Now, this is right kind of right out of the fridge. I don't know if this would get better as it uh, warmed up. I would think this is probably one that's better, colder. Now, speaking of uh, of ciders and stuff, you just made a cider, didn't you? It's fermenting now. Made a pear cider. We had a pear tree on the street with a bumper crop this year. I don't know what kind of pear it is. But the uh, the juice came out at about 1045. 
which means that it probably ferment to about 5.6 ABV, which is pretty good for a cider. And, uh, yeah, so last Sunday, Rex and I juiced nearly 14 gallons of juice out of a little juicer thing. Out of a, he, well, it's a pretty, pretty hardcore juicer that he has. You throw in the, the slices of pears and it spins them and juice just comes pouring out and pulp goes in the bin and it's an impressive machine, that's for sure. Uh, we had split up the workflow two different ways because he didn't really want to put too much wear and tear on the juicer. He wasn't sure if he could handle it. So we also used his blender and he had a really nice blender. Turns out we overheated the blender. We were putting it in the blender and then putting it in a straining bag and squeezing out the juice. And that was a lot more effort than the juicer. Um, but we overheated the blender and it went into, you know, a safety shutoff into a cool down type thing where the juicer was just champion. So towards the end, we stopped using the blender and we're just juicing stuff. You know, we were making sure we weren't chopping, putting in too big of chunks to, to, uh, screw with it. But the, uh, the, the pear juice was pretty good and I'm really anxious to see how it fermented. So we really didn't have much yeast around. I used the wine yeast from that mead kit that I had for the six and a half gallon fermenter. And then we had another five-gallon fermenter where we just let it go spontaneous. Mm. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, there's still pears on the tree. We might uh, might find ourselves picking another five gallons of juice if we are so inclined. It's really up to... I'm up for it. It's really up to Rex whether he wants to, you know, put the wear and tear on his, on his equipment. I wonder what pear would be like with a stout. Pear stout. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm really anxious to see what the cider tastes like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had a pear mead before. Uh, I've had a pear cider from Ace, but that was probably still mostly apples. Um, where this is all pear juice, right? Mm-hmm. So it will be it'll be interesting. Sounds interesting. So now, where do we go to next on this list? Probably the saison, right? Yeah, we got double IPA. We got stouts and whatnot. Yeah. So. So, this was provided to us by the brewer. This is Sam Adams Harvest Saison. It is hot with our Aramis. Aramis. Aramis and Zotz hops. Malt varieties used are their two-row pale malt blend. Oat, rye, wheat, and aromatic malt. They put a lot into this sucker. Use a Belgian ale yeast. 6% alcohol by volume. 25 IBUs, part of their Harvest Collection variety pack. So probably out right now. They sent us this when they sent us the Oktoberfest. And uh, best by February. Hmm. That, uh, okay, I'm going to let, let this warm up a bit. This, it smells a lot more malty than a traditional saison. Wow, it does have a, a really rich malt nose. I mean, they put a bunch of grains in it, right? Mm-hmm. They have uh, rye, oats, barley, and wheat. So basically, the all the major food groups of of grain there. And when you smell it, it's a fascinating smell. And I'm going to try to get some words on on this because it's a. Uh, it almost smells like the Oktoberfest. It, it... See, no, I mean, not for me. For me, it's, I'm trying to come up with words. I I want to use a word like funky, but it's not, it's not a sour, funky. it's not sour, but it's, it's a 
funky malt it, maltiness. It's uh You think so? I think it funky's like, not the right word. I think it smells like a toasted French bread. And toasted Italian. Here, I mean, smell this. Yeah, it smells the same to me. Okay. I'm getting something that... I'm getting the other grains that they're using. I'm getting... Oh, I really don't know how to put it. Maybe a bunch of... Maybe it's rye. It's it's more... Rustic. It's more earthy. There's a little bit of wheat in there. I can definitely pick up some of that stuff that that, va- that pushes vaguely into lemonage or lemongrass. Like, nah, see, that's not what I'm pick- keying in on. I don't know. I think I'm causing the mic stand here to resonate. Every once in a while I talk, I hear a little, like, hum after I'm done talking. Like, I think I'm causing one of these pieces of metal to resonate like a tuning fork. <laughs> hum, hum. Nope, not now. Okay. Well, that's good. A little bit of the Belgian characters coming from the east. I can de- I can start to smell some of that. It's just a little spicy, a little sweet. I guess that's the rye I'm smelling. I guess it's a spicy rye. I wish I had more words because I really am fascinated by the aroma and I'm really digging, taking big whiffs of it and pulling it in. But uh, the words are escaping me. These are pretty cold. Yeah, what you got? 56. Yeah, well, let's warm it up a little bit here. I think this beer will open up. So, good thing we got the uh, Spiegel glasses with the mm-hmm. very thin glass. We're using the snifters as we always do. So, just cupping these in your hands for just a few seconds is going to put three or four degrees in that beer. And uh, open it up. The beauty of heat transfer. I think I'm getting a little bit of hops on it. Like, kind of a... Continental. What was the, the hop other than Zots that they used in this? Aramis. Aramis. Should I look it up? Sure, go for it. I'm going to take a sip while you're looking it up so I can continue to talk about things. The malt dominates the front of the flavor, but then the, the Belgian yeast esters come in right away and kind of plow through the malt. It almost starts off a little bit buckwheaty, you know, this really rustic grain type flavor. But then the the Belgian esters come through, and it almost has a bit of a a duval character, you know, sweetness like a, a like a dried pear or something. And I'm gonna have to get another sip here. I'm forgetting what I was tasting. So uh, Aramis comes from a French hop company, Comptoir Agricole. And uh, is they call hop Aramis strong with a hint of delicateness. Aramis is the first new hop variety produced by our varietal research program, and it has inter- inherited its characteristic aroma from its mother variety, Strisselspalt. Okay, but contains a noticeably higher degree of alpha acids. Okay, Strisselspalt's the one of the only traditionally French hops, as far as I'm aware. And there's not very many acreages of it being made mm-hmm. anymore. 
Uh, sounds like this one, they're kind of making a more productive version of it, right, with the alpha acids. There's lots of interesting technical details I can get into, but uh, probably, probably not important. Yeah. yeah, the the yeast, mm. the esters, really don't taste traditionally saison-y to me. Ooh. It tastes more like a strong, like a Belgian Golden Strong or something yeah. like that. Um, like I said, the Duval kind of rings true. Now, that has nothing to say about the quality of the beer. I think it's an interesting beer. Just, you know, if you're trying to benchmark it against what you think a Saison tastes like, it might be a fair bit off of those flavors. So, Aramis is a cross between Strisselspalt and Whitbread Golding. Okay. So, a French and English hop. Hmm. Yeah, I mean the malt character is is definitely uh, a strong component of this beer, mm-hmm. and underneath that is some some spice coming from I think the rye, and then some um, interesting stuff coming in from the yeast. I'm still trying to place exactly where the hops are. Yeah, yeah. I mean the. You're right. But, I mean, it is a saison, right? Yeah. Hops are not going to be very prominent. Do they have any information on the wheat? Like, is it, like, a not your average I don't, wheat? There's, no, there's nothing that they say except for just their, their uh, like okay. you said. I'm just curious because... pale malt blend, oat, rye, wheat, aromatic malt. It almost seems like the wheat's a, a more rustic. I'm not, I'm not saying that they used buckwheat, mm-hmm. but maybe they used a red wheat or something like that. You know, that's that's kind of what I was want, hoping to find some information on. It it strikes me as kind of a of a half saison almost. It's it's like we're going to put a little bit of French, but we're really going to put a uh, put a good deal of malt in here to ease you into getting some of those. Um, rustic, those saisonish qualities, the 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 slight um, the slight mushroomy stuff, the slight. Yeah, I'm not even qualities. I'm not even trying to link it to saison now because for me it's you know this rustic. The only place there's rustic for me is in the grain bill, mm-hmm. and there's not much rustic in the yeast outputs. You know, the yeast outputs for me are very. You know, like I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to think of another example, but you know, they're they're pretty clean. They're they're pairy. They're they're not right. They're not. Pears are good. They're not musky. They're not dusty. They're not farmhouse. Right. They're 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 duval. You know, they're those kinds of you know clean Belgian yeah. fruity flavors, and it's a very neat combination that I like. So for me, I'm just I'm not even trying to link it to saison anymore. I'm just trying to explore the beer. So what would you call this then if if you didn't want to call it? Saison? I don't know what I would call it. Right? Maybe I would stick saison on the name because of the rustic malt right. flavors. Um, it's a neat beer. Um, don't don't make me name it right now. Maybe at the end I can name it. I, I might call it uh, just a plain old Belgian pale ale. No, that... I wouldn't call it a pale ale. It's not hoppy enough. Uh, yeah, I don't know where else to put it. I mean, 
I was hoping to drink it a little bit more before you make me name it, but, you know, I would just call it a Belgian Golden Ale right now. The thing is, if people don't have... The thing is, if you're not expecting that rustic malt character, it might really... You might be, like, thinking really weird stuff trying to figure that out if you didn't know there was four different kinds of grains in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know where to place this on a spectrum, but I certainly wouldn't call it a Saison. It, it just doesn't feel right to call and, it a Saison. Yeah, as I drink it, um, the sweetness... Yeah, you know, and there's a, there's a fair amount of sweetness in here too, like um, almost almost like if there was Belgian candy sugar added. You know, there's there's some of that type of feeling in here. But the malt's kind of getting a little less rustic for me. Like the last couple of sips I've had are almost like pie crust. You know, I'm getting this something that mm. flavor mm-hmm. that's reminding me of pie crust. Yeah, so it's like a sweetened flour mm-hmm. with. Um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of butter in there. There's no diacetyl, no, I can no. tell, but yeah, I mean, I, I I see what you're getting at. I still I'm still going with toasted bread, maybe a bit of a toasted Italian uh, bread. This is the same Adams Harvest Saison that we're drinking right now. It's different. It is. I enjoyed it. All right, on to the bigger bottles. Let's do the hoppy one first, eh? Mm. I agree. So, our friend JD sent us Aleworks Bitter Valentine. This is a double India pale ale. So, there you go. It is composed of pale and crystal malts and loads of hops. Loads and loads? Just loads, not loads and loads. They actually say, the link here says view details on Beer Advocate. That's new. Let's see what's on here. Connecting. Waiting for BeerAdvocate.com. Okay. Well, while we're waiting for BeerAdvocate.com, let's go on to the aroma. Well, the color... It is a hazy golden color. Yeah, I would call that gold. Almost orange. Headed gold headed towards orange. Light head dissipated really quickly. Notes, commercial description, no notes at this time. Thanks, Beer Advocate. It does tell me it's nine percent alcohol by volume. So the, the, you know, sometimes Beer Advocate has a very in depth description. Yeah. And, you know, when you read that, I was wondering if Aleworks had actually, like, helped Beer Advocate craft a description. And, no. no. <laughs> let's just read the top review. No. I will. After, let's do that later. Yeah, okay. Okay, it's very hoppy in the nose. And you can also tell from the aroma that it has a, a very saturated juicy type feel like it smells like a double ipa that there's kind some of simcoe smell. in there there's a little bit of that kind there's of a little dord in there a little dord you can smell See, that right i'm not getting dord no i'm getting uh i'm getting a mix of what do i want to say mango mm-hmm. cantaloupe yeah. 
Sure. Um, something like uh, apricot, maybe. Yeah, mango cantaloupe, apricot, and then let's pull it in that that kind of pininess, right? It's a uh, let's put pineapple too. Yeah, and you know, there's those tropical fruits, but yeah. there's this thing that's hovering above. There's this haze above the tropical fruits that is kind of woodsy, kind of piney, but it's not straight up chinook or anything. Oh, I see it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I get it. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're right. Maybe that's not Dort at all. Yeah, I'm not getting anything that's... Dortish. <clears throat> Dortish, yes. <laughs> for those who aren't listening, Dords are made up word for things that are... Uh, better word than cat pee. Yeah. yeah and then, if you smell, trying not to focus on the hops, you get um, kind of graham crackery malty there's a fair amount of malts in here this is one of those double ipas where it's a big malt flavor bitter valentine and and uh 8.3 percent abv on this guy you know so let's move on to the they flavor. say nine on beer advocate no the label says 8.3 <laughs> i believe beer advocate over the label this is part of their brewer's choice uh offerings that's what it says on the bottle yes it does indeed say that in the bottle. There is a stamp here. The stamp was not applied very cleanly. All I can read is uh, the tenth of some month in 2014. Hmm. It looks like a two, doesn't it? I don't know. The best Best Buy. Bottled on, no idea. All I see is a one zero. That seems to be a February, four. so but that would make sense. I mean, in a double IPA, it'll last. An eight eight point three nine percent alcohol by volume. That's not you're not going to see a lot of age on that. Yeah, you don't want to cellar them though. You know, no, but, but I mean, but but it, it, it's not like Tate one that's uh, seven or eight months old is going to necessarily be uh, destroyed. Depends on the beer, right? I mean, Stone wants you to drink it in like thirty-five days. Yeah, so. well, Stone is Stone has different priorities than other mm-hmm. companies. The, so Stone has the Best Buy, right? Mm-hmm. Now they have a new line of breaded ones that are—I forget what they call it—but basically, it's, oh, it's called Best After. Huh. And so you buy the beer now, and it says Best After, and it's like two years down the road or three years down the road. And they're, it's another IPA, but they, they dose it with Brett at bottling time. So it's really going to take some time for the Brett to take to change the and beer. They, and they're so, I'm wondering why they would sell that. Because not everybody has your superpower, right? Why wouldn't you just sell them three years down the line? Because then you have to pay for all the storage. Yeah, but then you can, you can put that into the you price can, of the beer. You can. But they're letting you crowdsource the storage. And, you know. They're letting, they're basically letting you buy a funky beer without having to pay for the three years of conditioning, right? As long as you condition it. And you know, and, and the whole beer is built around, if you drink it early, you, yeah, 
you may well get some interesting, you know, basically buy a whole bunch and drink it every six months. You know, that's kind of yeah. what they want you to do. How much does the case cost, for example? Oh, I have no idea. A lot, I'm betting. Yes. Over a hundred, at least. Yeah, so they got the enjoy buys, which are like 40 days, and now they have the best afters, <laughs> which is a couple years down the road. I'm still less than 60 degrees. I, I mean, that's not the first thing. time they've done it. I mean, Vertical Epic was practically a best after, right? Right, that was their whole point was yeah. to do it. But when we did it, it 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 was less than the sum of its parts, which is sure. problematic. But I, hopefully they've they've learned from that. Mm-hmm. All right. So what do you think about this beer? This is the uh, Bitter Valentine. Elworks Brewing Company. Formerly Williamsburg Elworks. I think there's a lot of really interesting... Um, Concentrated fruity notes, mm-hmm. like uh, like dried fruits, dried uh, like apricots and and mango and things like that, up front and underneath with the malt. I'm still in, in the, the vaguely bready, you know, French bready mm-hmm. type place. I don't know about graham cracker so much. It's, okay. it's kind of a French bread. It's a good solid double IPA. Yeah, um, really brings the hops. Has that strong malt backbone, you know, to support it. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I have no complaints about this beer. For a 9% double IPA, it is it is really extremely drinkable, which is not usual, because you usually have a lot of IBUs and you usually have a, a really laid down bitterness. And mm-hmm. this, the bitterness is... Oh yeah, the bitterness really isn't that away. monstrous, right? Yeah. It's in a lot of great tropical fruit flavors. Yeah, this is a good double IPA. Thanks, JD. Thanks, JD. It because usually you get those and, and they just they linger. Even even the great ones, even the ones that that, that I love, like for example, I mean, uh, Headhunter, mm-hmm. right? That that lingers. That's a good lingering. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's a you know that, that that's a, that's a bitter beer. Bells, two-hearted. Again, these are not double IPAs. These are, mm. but they're close enough. I mean, seven, eight percent. They're, they're in that range. Oh uh, yeah, but this, the saturation of the malt flavor is really defining for me for a double yeah. IPA. Right. This one has this big, almost barley wine type flavor underneath it, and there's other double IPAs like that. You know, I'm thinking of Weyerbacher's Double Simcoe, a couple others. Right. That saturated malt flavor is kind of defines this kind of double IPA. And there's, I've had double IPAs that are hops and water, right? Where it's all about the yeah. hops and there's not a big malt backbone. But this one has that barley wine-esque malt backbone underneath it. And that's, I don't know. I've never heard anyone really define the two different classes of it. You know, maybe it's a West Coast versus East Coast thing. You know. Um, Interesting that they call it, it's <clears throat> called Bitter Valentine, but it doesn't taste all that bitter to us. It It has that, I mean, there's a fair. I amount mean, of it's, it, it certainly has. It's high not views, tongue it, raping. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> is that the first time raping has been used on this show? I'm just curious. I don't know. Jeez, you have to go there. <laughs> I've heard many people talk about bitter beers as being tongue raping. So. <sighs> 
I apologize if anyone's offended. Alright, so now we get on to the pumpkin side of the show. But maybe before we do that, we should... Yes, you read my mind. Nice segue. You talk about the segue, and then you don't even go into the thing. (laughs) I'm letting it sink in. uh, Amazon Anonymous. Amazon. Go to Amazon.com slash... No, No. CrappyRay.com slash Amazon. I can't even do this Uh, after like a year. Jesus Christ, Greg. Well, you weren't doing anything, and I had to jump in. I was letting it sink in. CrappyRay.com slash Amazon. Buy all your Amazon stuff from there. That's That's where you do your Amazon shopping. Costs you nothing extra. We get a percentage of purchases. CraftBeerRadio.com slash Amazon. All right, so we got a couple pumpkin beers here, and neither of them are pumpkin. Mm. Um, I, I saw Hart Johnson um, tweeted last night. It's like, I had my token three ounces of... Um, maybe that's why I said tongue-raped or mouth-raped. Uh, he's like, I had my token three ounces of pumpkin last night, and uh, yeah, nothing like being tongue-raped by nutmeg. So, pumpkin's decent, but I... I'm spoiled. I had a year old pumpkin earlier this season uh-huh. and it was fantastic. It tasted like a pumpkin roll. It, it did that make it faded. It was all vanilla and creamy. It was so good. So I got a pumpkin in the cellar. We'll be cracking that one open next year. Hopefully it matures the same yeah. way. If it does, we'd be very happy. When I go to that, that bar that I go to that has a nice cheap beer, they always say, Oh, we have some new pumpkin beers. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. Pumpkin beers are getting better. I wouldn't be surprised if the third law of craft beer radio changes in the next year or two. Maybe, but I haven't had a pumpkin beer that is a pumpkin beer. I've had a b- bunch of different spice beers. Mm-hmm. The third law of craft beer radio is the idea of a pumpkin beer is always better than the actuality of a pumpkin beer. Mm-hmm. Which means that pumpkin beer sounds like an awesome idea, right? I mean, it, everyone agrees it sounds like an awesome idea. And seldom does the beer... Live up to your expectation. So this is Southern Tears Warlock, which is supposed to be their counterpoint to Pumpkin. It is part of their Blackwater series. They decided that it's an Imperial Stout. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh, that, that's what they call mm-hmm. it. 8.6% alcohol by volume. It is fermented with ale yeast, two types of hops, four types of malts, and pumpkins. That's what they say in the fermentation so there you go. Uh, serving temperature forty eight degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus, <laughs> might as well be frozen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> We're at fifty four. We're already yeah. blown our quota. <clears throat> All right, we probably should drink these in reverse order. This one is really spicy. Yes. Big old spice on the nose. Well, not, I think this is. I think it's good. I think we you don't want to burn our palates out, so we should have the spicy ones last. Well, no, I mean, I I've had the the other one. Oh, and it's not because Heather had some. It's not as spicy as this, so I think we drank them in the wrong order here. Okay, so <sighs> wow, lots of nutmeg, lots of cinnamon. I think you know. I'm hoping my expectations going into this is that the stout is able to pull down yeah. a lot of that tongue raping. It smells like a snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle. Let's see. The nutmeg is pulling it off a snickerdoodle for me, but I, I kind of get what you see with the cinnamon and the and the maltiness. Um, I don't know. The nutmeg 
is kind of interesting for me right now. Let's see. It's potent, though. It's really dominating the aroma. Make your own black magic by carefully pouring this Imperial Stout into a goblet. Well, tulip goblet. Tulip goblet. Yeah, I mean, seriously. All right, so... On the aroma, you do get a little more complexity than you... Or on the flavor, you get more complexity than on the aroma. I'm getting, along with the nutmeg, which isn't as boastful as it is in the aroma, getting a fair amount of vanilla. You're talking about flavor now, right? Flavor. Yes, I'm sorry. You know that 9% beer we just had? (laughs) It messes up my adjectives and nouns and verbs and stuff. Um... It tastes like a pumpkin spice cookie. That's a good way to put it, yeah. That's been spiked with alcohol. <laughs> I think it's pretty drinkable. Oh, it is. I I, I definitely agree with you. This is a, a pretty a pretty good dessert beer for sure. Mm-hmm. This would go great with vanilla ice cream, right? Because it would just sort of the vanilla would compound with the flavors. Mm-hmm. Probably go good with pumpkin pie because all the stuff. Southern Tears Blackwater series also has you know this beer's peers are beers like chocolate, yeah, creme brulee, Mm -hmm. Java mocha, and you can kind of see the lineage, right? You know, there's a similar saturation in flavors, drinkability, booziness. You know, so, um, you know, I I think Warlock might have me won over. I think I'm a Warlock fan and not a pumpkin fan. I think I like this better than pumpkin. I think that it's it's still to me a spice a spice beer. beer. Sure. But Oh yeah, there's like there's no melony flavors in here at all, right? Well I mean pumpkin the thing about pumpkin is that it's one of those gourds that really doesn't have much flavor to it. You have to add stuff to it. It's just pumpkin itself is is kind of kind of bland. It, if you cook it, it, it's sort of like butternut squash in, mm-hmm. in, in that sort of sense where, you know, it, butternut squash kind of blend. When you cook it, then you get the mm-hmm. the right. um, the Maillard reaction. Well, sure. All that I mean, you would think they would it. use roasted pumpkin puree in almost any pumpkin beer. They should. I don't know what they do. Because that, that's a that's an iffy proposition, right? Because you don't know how how much to roast it, whereas you can just put fresh pumpkin in there, and that's a lot easier. Uh, I don't know about that. I think that maybe maybe you're right, but I think that would be a fool's errand. I think you gotta roast the pumpkin like if you're making a pumpkin pie, and put, then scrape out that stuff and put that in your beer. Mm. A couple of years ago, when I did that whole Thanksgiving from scratch. I bought some pie pumpkins, cut them in half, salted them, roasted them, you know, made the pumpkin pie yeah. from scratch. And I wouldn't I wouldn't fathom making a pumpkin beer not roasting it first. I I bet that's what a lot of pumpkin beers do. I don't think they they use roasted pumpkin. They use either canned or just or they just put fresh pumpkin in there because it's too difficult to get a roast to the right level for the kind of volume that you're talking about. I mean, about. I, I don't know. I mean, I can see when you're at scale, it could be problematic. But cutting pumpkins 
open and just tossing them in there raw? Well, I'm sure they scoop out the the stuff. Well, sure, scoop out the 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 strings and the seeds, but even the raw flesh. Yeah, it's that, like it's like coffee. that's part of the problem with pumpkin beers is that pumpkin is not a, a particularly interesting flavor when it's not roasted. I don't know. See, I never considered this. I don't know if you're right or wrong. I mean, if you're right, you're absolutely right. I had always assumed that the stuff that people are putting in may not be roasted by themselves, but they're buying a product that is roasted pie filling or something like that. I don't think Greg's so shaking his head like he's certain I, that they're not. I, I'm, I mean, I'm not certain, yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty confident. I mean, that's silly putting raw pumpkins in your fermenter I because mean, that's all you're or in I the mean, kettle. Uh, that's all you're doing is you're saying it's a pumpkin beer because we put pumpkins in it. You're not actually roasting the pumpkin. That that's a very problematic thing to do in an agricultural I mean, I, product. I don't think it's problematic. It might be labor intensive or difficult for a brewery to do. I don't see the problems with doing it. Well, that's pretty. Yeah, I mean, the problems are the labor intensity of it and. And getting a specific thing that works. I mean, you know. So then you just buy pie, pumpkin pie filling and use that out of the can. And if you do that, then you're not going to control the spices and stuff like that. It comes unspiced. Well, then maybe that's what they do. It doesn't say fresh pumpkin. It just says pumpkin. Sure. I don't know. We're, we're speculating way too much. I think the noteworthy thing is I always assumed that people would roast their pumpkin. And you always assume that they're putting raw stuff in mm-hmm. the in the boil. I don't know. We'll have to ask some people who make pumpkin beers and see what they do. That's did. what we would have to do. I think this this calls for a. Uh, you know what this calls for? This calls for a massive Skype conversation between everybody who makes pumpkin beers, where we can discuss. I have a, so this is nice. Beer's called Warlock. I have a little ghost in the foam on my thing Take two little eyes and it, ooh, it actually is already just deformed it doesn't look like the ghost anymore for a while it looked almost like hey, Perry is gone <clears throat> yep I had a little ghost in my beard going ooh scary it's a scary beer the warlock from southern deer doesn't taste as stouty as I thought it would taste is this provided to us by no we purchased no, this we purchased it okay doesn't taste as stouty. It's provided by Heather for going to Giant Eagle and seeing it and buying three bottles. Two for her, one for us. <laughs> um, no, it tastes pretty stouty to me. I would, you, I would call it stout. I mean, I, okay, so I think that the stout is able to pull down the flavors into this, you know, to the darker realm, right? But I'm not tasting any kind of roast. <laughs> now you're playing d and I know. We pull it into yes. the realm. Roll yes. a 20. Well... <laughs> It's funny when I said pull down. So I've been doing some electronics type stuff, working on the new brew box and whatnot. And there's different ways. So when you're doing, I'm going to keep this as short as I can. But when you're doing digital I/O, you need to either have a pull up resistor or a pull down resistor to to so the computer knows which way the signal's going. Otherwise, it's called floating. And when I said pull down, I'm thinking about a pull down resistor this whole time, and I was trying to walk away from like <laughs> like I. I subconsciously thought everyone's going to think I'm going to talk about pull down resistor, so I'm trying to walk away from it. But but you said pull down to a different realm, yeah, and then when yeah, you said realm, yeah, that yeah, made me that, think yep. D and D or yeah. something like that. So it doesn't really taste particularly roasty or chocolatey to me. No, no, it tastes like a cookie. It tastes like one of yeah. those, you know, it, it tastes almost like one of those gobs. You know those. 
I don't know what agave is. Agave is like it's it's a it's a cookie with a bunch of whipped it's a bunch of cream in the middle. Oh, okay. Soft all cookies right, with right. cream in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Things that are horrible for you. <laughs> Everything delicious is horrible for you. That is the the true I think, you know, the one of the most horrible things about life <laughs> is that everything that's awesome for you is terrible for you. All right. So that was the warlock from Southern Tier. And now we're going to move on to another pumpkin stout. At least I think it's a stout. Actually, it doesn't even say stout on the thing. No, here. this is a coffee pumpkin ale. Elysian Pumpkuccino. Lysian does like three different pumpkin beers every season. Yeah. And They're the ones who did the pump. The, they, they do the beer through the pumpkin, they right? Tap the pumpkin. Yeah. Church Brewworks Starting has done that as well. Um, but they were the ones who were the first that we heard about. And we were like, oh my God, I got to try that. Yeah. Whatever, so I've had the beer ago. through the pumpkin at church last year or a year before. I don't think I talked about this on the air, but... Was the, the pumpkin roasted? The pumpkin was not roasted. Mm-hmm. But it was more like a randall. It was a pumpkin randall. Mm-hmm. Is Come on. That's a fucking gimmick. Fruit, excuse me. That's a... <laughs> that's a gimmick. You know, <laughs> tapping the beer and running it through a pumpkin. Sure. So the Pumpkinino <laughs> Coffee Pumpkin Ale from Elysian... Brewing company, or as Jeff used to call it, Elysian. So, uh, yeah, I mean, call I it? called it Elysian, right? Like Elysian Fields or something like yeah. that. But then I, uh, you know, interviewed, is that David Bueller, I think? I think that's his name. You know, he uh, told me it was Elysian. I actually asked him about it, you know, he's like, no, I prefer Elysian. So that's one I know, you know, I might not get. Yeah. Um, you know, other, like some of these Belgian beers, right? I mean, look, you know, pronunciation is, is all about culture and other things like that, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. The malts that are used are pale, brown, biscuit, C77, crystal, chocolate, and kiln coffee. It is hopped with German Northern Brewer, 5% alkali volume, special added stumped down coffee toddy with pumpkin added to the mash, kettle, and fermenter. And it smells like a spice beer. It smells like a, like a, the first thing I smelled was a chili smell. It does have a mole type smell, right? I mean, I think it's the spices along with the coffee. It definitely has. No, you know, I've I've actually smelled like three or four different things since we've poured it. Smelled. It's mole. Smelled some coffee. Now I'm smelling kind of like donut shop, like a mix of the coffee and all the confections that are in there you know uh, this is very interesting the first line or, or, or the first uh part of the sentence about their tasting notes doesn't give you any tasting notes per se but i just like the way it characterizes it this is the uh elysian pumpkin pump pumpuccino coffee pumpkin ale a pumpkin ale with the attitude of a world weary barista <laughs> Now, if you could, if you could uncompact that and figure out what that means, <laughs> I would like a world weary barista. 
What what on earth does that mean? I have no idea. They are from uh, Seattle, right? Yeah. Well, just like somebody's just tired of coffee. (laughs) That's what I get from it. I I don't know. I don't know. The, um, okay, so now I'm finally smelling. So, like, for first several aromas, at least after the initial, I was getting coffee, coffee, coffee. Now I'm getting some of the spices that go with it. And it smells kind of like a pumpkin spice latte type type aroma, right? You know, yeah. you're getting a lot of those spices in the coffee aroma. Coffee aroma on this is really well done. I don't think it smells like work coffee. And I think it has some, some good nuance to it. Hmm. Flavor stands up after that warlock, which mm-hmm. makes me happy. And uh, the coffee it definitely has a latte stuff. It's got it's got a, mm-hmm. uh, a lingering sweetness that goes through it. It almost has a creaminess to it too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely really mimics a, a pumpkin spice latte type flavor. Ooh, the sweetness, the vanilla, kind of comes back in the late, late aftertaste too. Really tells a bit of a story. Yeah, eh, I don't know about a story. It's. I'm going with story. Okay. Hey, it's your, it's your call, man. It's mm-hmm. your tongue. It's yeah. It, it's like a, it's like one of those sugary drinks from Starbucks, right? I mean, it it has that quality, of having the those spices that you like with the coffee there, and then the you know additional sweetness that, yeah, accents it. I think it's reminiscent. I, I think it's a little bit more complex, right? I, I think that it doesn't have. It's not super sweet, like like those drinks actually are, right? I mean, this is still a beer. This has a lot of those flavors. I think that they're pretty well done. I'm enjoying this quite a bit. Well, I, I like the coffee in it because the coffee has a really good quality. It's not that more mm. coffee. It's not even like a Starbucks quality. It's a it's a really good deep. It really coffee the coffee cake. comes yeah. through the beer amazingly well. Yeah, I mean, as good as some of the best coffee beers, if not the best coffee beer that we've had. I mean, the way the coffee carries through the flavor, and you're able to taste a lot of the coffee nuance. It, it's top notch. I like that a lot, but I think that the the sweetness and the additional spices hurt that dimension. Maybe they help it. I mean, maybe. Oh, that's it. I was going to say, or does it help open it up? In yeah, some I, way, I don't right? know. I, I, I honestly don't know. It, it's like, you know. I maybe... mean, they do take over at a certain point in the flavor, right? I mean, they're, they're pretty potent. But maybe the transition from the coffee to that place is what's opening up the coffee so much, right? I, I Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely a possibility. This and is the Elysian Puncuccino. This is good. But I'm just not in love with the with the after sweetness, right? With 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 the thing where it just says, uh, it's really it it just feels like one of those Starbucks drinks where it's like you know you drink it you're like oh okay I just I just downed uh, three you know <laughs> three cups of sugar. But maybe that, like you, like you said, mm-hmm. and you know, like I continue, it's it possible that that 
helps the really good coffee flavor to come through because you get that a deep bitter it's only five percent abv yeah it, it's it's a really good coffee that they're using mm-hmm. or whatever the the whatever the spices are, are pulling out just the right parts of the coffee mm-hmm. but the additional sweetness knocks it in my view okay I think it's time to go into some rankings. Rank and time. So, well, this is an interesting show because these are... They're all pretty good for me. Um, Let me pull up my little notepad here, my little tokens. Hmm. They're very different beers. All of them are really very different from one another. So, oh, we got this guy. Too. And that was not a beer, but yeah, don't forget him. Yeah, uh, they're all very different. All right, I got mine. If you're yeah, still go thinking. Ahead. Go ahead. All right, starting from the bottom, I'm gonna have to put the Caliber Brewing Green Tea at the bottom of fifth place. Um, it's not because I didn't like it. I think it was a very interesting in- beverage. Good drinker. It just, uh, and it could have definitely leapfrogged some other beers, but we've had pretty good beers tonight, so it's where it is. In fourth place, I'm going to put Warlock. Pretty spicy, right? And um, mm-hmm. while I think it works pretty well compared to a fresh pumpkin, like I said, I always dream of that aged pumpkin that I had a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. It is where it is. Other beers are better. Let's go with um, Bitter Valentine in third place. Uh, Really good double IPA. Kind of that East Coast style where there's like a barley wine malt backbone underneath it. Um, Tropical fruit flavors. Enjoyed it quite a bit. Second place, I'm going to put the Sam Adams. Um... I thought it was fascinating, mostly. The four kinds of malts that were in there gave it a really rustic type flavor. And then, while the yeast, Belgian yeast didn't give it, in my opinion, a Saison flavor, it gave it a really neat Belgian character, some good sweetness in there, enjoyed the beer. Number one beer is going to be this Pancacino that we're drinking right now. I think that, uh, talked about how it's some of the best coffee use in beer that we've had. And uh, that's one of the main reasons. I just think it's a really good drinker. The pumpkin spice. Greg mentioned how, you know, it's a little too Starbucksy, a little too sweet for him, a little too much latte. I'm not getting that far in, right? It's not bugging me. If it was, uh, I could definitely knock it down, but I'm not noticing that. So give it number one tonight. Okay. My beers are as follows, starting from the bottom. I agree with Jeff that the caliber is... Um, a decent drinker of for what it is, but it, it didn't hold up to the, these other beers. They were much more interesting, and we are a beer drinking show. So, well, you know, is, if we were doing a gluten beer show, or a gluten free beer show, it might go. It might be really it, high. I think it would rank pretty high compared to a lot of sorghum flavored right, beers. Yeah. But it's not a beer. I mean, that, that well, needs sure. to be quality. But it's a it's an alcoholic beverage that has no gluten in it, and if you're comparing it to a lot of the sorghum beers, I think it would rank really high. Probably. 
Number four for me is a Sam Adams. Uh, I still I'm kind of just sort of getting my mind around exactly what it is. I'm not sure. And while I, I kind of like the idea of a more multi saison, uh, in in at least the, the the conceptualization of it, I think the other beers are just better. So I'm going to put that number four. My number three is going to be the Elysian. I, yeah, I mean, I I really do like the coffee in here. I think the coffee is present in this beer in a way that most other coffee beers don't even come close. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, high praise for, for a beer, I believe. It's, you know, when you can get those good coffee volatiles out into the beer, the stuff that really tastes great, and then uh, accentuate them. Then... Instead of the, just this bitter, steep. Yeah, right. Or, or that sort of like basic mm-hmm. flavor that you get from Hagen Dazs coffee or whatever. But the part of me that is like mm, too sweet is hurting the rest okay. of it. So that's why it falls down. Otherwise, I might even agree with Jeff because it is one of the best uses of coffee in a beer that I've had. Number two, I'm going to go with the Southern Tier. I really enjoyed the. Uh, the beer a lot. I think that it was still spice beer, still not a pumpkin beer, quote unquote, but a very good spice beer and uh, very tasty, something that uh, I could definitely enjoy. And, you know, the difference was it really wasn't too sweet. It didn't give me that too sweet flavor. Uh, and if I have my number one beer, is going to be the Ale Works, which I love a double IPA that is not going to be, you know, assaulting your tongue. That's awesome, and uh, perhaps the difference from that to the other stuff is what caused me to really, you know, put it above the other stuff. But who knows? It's a it's a tough choice. It's a pretty good show. I think so. Do you have a title for it? No, not not an evident one. Yeah. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit our website for more information. Our website is craftbeerradio.com, by the way. You can contact us. Our preferred way to contact is via Twitter, via the Twitter, and that is at Jeff Bearer for me and at CBR Greg. And we have a, a team account at uh, Craft Beer Radio. We uh, don't pay attention to Facebook or Google Plus so much. You can email us, though. We do pay attention to email pretty well. Beer at craftbeerradio.com. And tune into the post show where you can hear us talk about Amazon Anonymous and other amazing topics. <laughs> this is Destiny's Child. I don't like reggae. <laughs> I love it.